Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fisted ahead and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome back our special guest, the assistant coach of the USPHL's Ogden Mustangs, Nick Dreyer. Nick, welcome back. Hey guys, thanks for having me. No, thanks again for taking the time to jump on today and for all you listeners. If you didn't hear the previous episode, Nick was talking with us about the women's Frozen Four, the men's upcoming Frozen Four, and some NHL trade deadline transactions. So if you want to listen back on that episode, go back in time and take a listen to it. On this episode, we're going to talk about kind of how the Mustang season went with the USPHL and uh, maybe talk some of those probably some of the best plays of the year um, because it was a wild season, Nick. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, definitely ended sooner than we, than we all thought it was going to, but it was, yeah. um, it was an exciting wild ride. Um, that's basically the only way I can put it after going through what we just went through over the last however many months. So actually it was incredible. The team started off so strong and it had a strong season all the way through. It really did. And, and going in line with the, um, you guys are having a kind of a series right now with, is it X media? Yes, X Media. Episode 11 just dropped, I believe, uh, a couple days ago. It's been really exciting to see kind of how, you know, how the, I guess the bread is buttered. They do an excellent job. Like they, since day one, um, when they've been with our guys, like they're really behind the scenes. So they're there, but you don't really notice they're there. Um, you know, they mic up Kenny, me, some players during the game. So um, it's basically just us trying to give, you know, we have a pretty decent fan base in Ogden and we always get asked, you know, all kinds of questions at coach's corner about, you know, what the experience is like, what the guys are like in the locker room, like pretty much everything. So, you know, we wanted to, to invest a lot into, you know, kind of giving them an inside look and what it really is like. And I think, um, I think a lot of people will really enjoy it. I think it's also, it'll be an eye opener for a lot of people too. So. Yeah, you've learned a lot from watching it, and it's really, really, it's really interesting. They do such a good job at covering you guys, and it's been interesting to see what's kind of happened behind the scenes. Again, the beginning of the season, too, uh, I know when we all talked, uh, Nick, we had you back on, I think, last April, and we kind of made a pitch to make uh, Jack Jones captain, and I think you finished that off by saying, oh, we'll pick the right guy at the right time. You know, obviously, it's got to fit the team and and who the team's going to follow in in the locker room and on the ice, and Jack ended up becoming captain, so what led to that? decision uh well i mean i'll just be honest with you when when we had that conversation in april he was you know he was already the captain like uh <laughs> you know when jack came back from christmas break last year and i pulled him aside and you know we talked about how the season was going how much he enjoyed it and you know i wanted to make sure that you know with everything kind of winding down last year before we even got the playoffs i wanted to make sure that we had jack on board um, as far as coming back for his last year of juniors and um you know i told him at that point that he was going to be a a significant part of our leadership group. Um, you know, Kenny and I had talked about it at length, you know, leading up to that point when we looked at our guys and, uh, you know, we basically told Jack that, that he was going to be, you know, part of the captaincy without telling him he was going to be the captain. So he knew that going in and we knew that. And I think everybody that was around the team last year could kind of feel that Jack had that leadership ability and, and, you know, kind of carry that weight on his shoulders. So, uh, it was a, it was kind of an unspoken thing, but I think uh, you guys probably knew it too. Whenever we talked about it, that Jack was at least going to be a crucial part of it, if not the C, and he ended up with a C. So, well, here at Pigeonhole, we actually tried to pay you guys to make Jack the captain. Because, <laughs> hey, listen, you know, Jack's already a leader. You don't need to give us all that money. 
But yeah, understand he's a big fan and you guys love him. So, you know, we'll name him captain for you guys. No, I, I'm just kidding. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious when you just talked to Jack and how he holds himself and how he holds his team reliable. And, and he's just such a good kid and, and, and such a good leader. I mean, uh, it, it sometimes you find that in, in players that, you know, aren't the greatest on the ice. But for Jack, I mean, his play and his leadership skills were par and um, I think was a great choice for you guys. Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we obviously loved our time with Jack and uh, he was a great captain and a great mentor to some of our younger guys. And, uh, you know, we're excited to see what unfolds with Jack here moving forward. I know he's still trying to sift through the NCAA thing and trying to make some things work at the D3 level. He had um, a couple, he had one offer that he was kind of entertaining, but I think he's holding out hope for um, another offer that he really wants. And uh, hopefully he gets it here soon. Yeah, that would be excellent. We're going to be excited to see where the uh, where some of the 20 year olds land here because you had a bunch of 20 year olds that won't be returning. So let's maybe chat on some of the 20 year olds. Let's start net. We got Deronio and Hirschfield. I guess Hirschfield was kind of already on the roster the whole season, though he spent a lot of time there in the Nall. And then Deronio came out of the National Development Program. You know, that's going to be like looking at next year <clears throat> as far as goaltending goes. Trey actually does have another year of junior eligibility. Um, oh. So Trey could potentially be back with us next year. You know, as soon as our season ended, uh, you know, Trey came forward to me and, and pulled me aside and basically told me that, you know, based on his time here, he wants to be here. He wants to be an ugly Mustang. Um, you know, I think if Trey gets an opportunity to play at the tier two level, he'll definitely go that route and we will push him to do that um, if that's what he wants to do. But uh, I think there's a good chance you'd probably see Trey back with us next year. Um, okay. We're still kind of sorting through some things and, you know, the biggest piece for me is obviously Saba. Um, yes. you know, he was my number one recruit last summer and him and Trey. So when I look at Saba, I think that, you know, Saba is a very special goaltender. I think for him to be an 04 and to step in and, and do the things that he did for us this year, uh, he actually won the team rookie of the year award. And that's saying a lot when you look at guys like Boyatzis and, yeah. and uh, Luke Foss and, you know, Andrew Alonzo, like a lot of really good young players that did some really special things in our league. And, you know, for Saba to step in and not only look at the games that he played, but the wins that he had and the teams they were against, it's really impressive. I mean, he, you know, he had a winning record against the Outliers, which there's no other team in the country that can say they had that over the course of more than one game. So, you know, he played some really big games in some really big situations for us. I, we didn't want that for him, you know, coming into the season. Like, you know, we, our conversations with Saba were that he was going to learn to play the game at the junior level. Um, you know, we wanted to introduce him and kind of ease him into it. But based on how things shook out early, he got thrown to the fire right away. And, uh, man, was he impressive for us down the stretch. So, Yeah, he had incredible, incredible games. In fact, looking at, like, the the highlights for the season as I've been slowly releasing uh, the top 15 plays of the year for the Mustangs uh, based off my very biased opinion, Saba actually ends up with three of the top six. He just – he stole games, stole games. He stole games, and like when you look at Saba, that a lot of people wouldn't know just from seeing him is, you know, he's an 04, and he played Double A hockey last year. So, you know, when you think about that and put that into perspective, you know, he won a national championship at the Atlanta Fire at the U16 level last year, and I believe he won a national championship um, his U14 year as well. But you know, he hasn't lived at home with his family in you know probably three or four years. He's been in the states with a billet family, um, and for a kid that age to do those sort of things is just not easy right it's not easy and it's yeah. not normal and then when you factor in this year him being with us and um you know what's going on you know in the ukraine where he's from and where his family is you know it's just it wasn't an easy an easy year for him at all and uh he always kind of kept things in the back of his head but he always focused on hockey and, and how he performed on the ice and he did a tremendous job um so kudos to him for that and you know per, like selfishly would i want him to be an ogden mustang next year absolutely but 
the the realistic side of me is is he needs to be playing at a higher level next year. So that's going to be our goal for him to you know in this off season is to really push himself hard with the Ukraine. Uh, national team stuff. He's going with their U18s over to Italy here um, within the next couple of weeks. Um, and depending on how that goes, you know, I hope he's playing tier two hockey next year because he deserves it. Yeah, because he's an absolute incredible goalie, and it's just been wild to watch him uh, perform all season. Chris, yeah, sorry, can I just cut you off right there, just right now? Yeah. Um, that just just what Nick said right there, just kind of. And this isn't a plug for the Mustangs. I mean, I'm this is just literally off what Nick just said. If you're a player out there looking for a team, find a coaching staff that just is going to do what Nick just said. Selfishly, you want to keep that player. You want to have him blossom. You want to have him lead you to a championship. But realistically, you want to push him on to the next level. That's what a proper staff should be doing. It shouldn't be about, you know, holding all the best players and, you know, kind of stunting their growth so you can have team success. It's, it's finding that that player and letting him blossom to the next level. That's a true championship. That's really seeing a kid, you know, coming in with some few holes in his game and, you know, working his his off and pushing to the next level and, and developing and you know kind of growing past your team and a staff that wants you to do that is a staff that you want to be a part of thank you for saying that i appreciate that cbass no and it's, it's it's absolutely true because there are a lot of staffs out there that will make empty promises um i do communicate with a lot of different players a lot of people a lot of players reach out to me and just ask our opinion because we have the podcast and we have a touch on some of the leagues and they look for opinions and teams to play for, and uh, I don't push in particular any team, but I do especially – I make note of teams that have provided, like, empty promises to kids, especially goalies, and you've got to watch the teams you play for, and you want to look for a staff that does exactly what the, the Nick said here and what the Mustangs do is the whole point of this level of hockey is to try to push the players up to the next level and develop them not only as as hockey players but as as young as young men and you want a team that's going to be focused on that and i think that's why the mustangs have attracted a lot of i mean you had a lot of players return from last year uh including guys like zito and bryce miller i mean we could we could list off all of the guys like Murray and everybody but we also brought in a lot of new talent onto the team including like you mentioned there voyatsis you had mater you had alonzo really you guys built a amazing roster this year and talk about some of the new guys that joined the team it's funny like you know i'll tell you and i know you guys will enjoy this i'll tell you a really funny story about saba before i tell you about some of the other guys but so i recruited saba all last year like um so dawson higgins who plays for provo yep. i coached him last year at the u16 level with our our team in park city and I think I'm not 100% sure about this, but I'm pretty confident. I think Dawson was the only player to score on Sava at U16 Nationals last year. Um, I think he had a shutout in every other game and they won the national championship. But Sava, the offseason, when I started recruiting him, you know, he's in Ukraine. So I'm getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning and, you know, trying to get a hold of him. And I had never physically actually talked to Sava uh, all the way up until training camp. When he got here, it was always the text messaging. And I would talk to his advisor, whose name was Olga, who lived in Ukraine. So, you know, the day that these guys are supposed to report, I still had never had a conversation with him on the phone. And Kenny's looking at me like, is this guy real? Or like, are we getting catfish like in the <laughs> hockey world? Like we have no idea what's going on. And then, you know, this, this six, four gangly goofy kid walks in and, uh, you know, I look at him and I'm like, it's good to talk to you and not Olga for once. And he's like, who's Olga. And I'm like, your advisor. And he's like, I have no idea who that is. And I'm like looking at him and he's like, no, I'm just messing with you. And like, I, like it was just a really surreal situation because you're talking to somebody and you, 
I'm like looking at this kid and I'm like, this kid could have never played hockey before in his life. And I wouldn't, you know, Kenny and I wouldn't know the difference, but it worked out well for us. But Sava has been awesome. And, you know, looking at our other kids, like, you know, Dimitri and Zoe and Foss, like, you know, and there's other kids too, but you know, the way that these guys contributed and stepped into the lineup right away, you know, Dimitri kind of bided his time and waited for a chance to really jump into that top six. And, um, you know, with what happened with Lucas and, and us moving him and, Dimitri really jumping into that top line and, and producing the way he did. You know, I think he's a special player. I think his skill set, like his skating, we talk about it a lot. Like his skating needs to get better as far as him being not necessarily faster, but quicker. And his defensive zone is, is getting better all the time. But his offensive skill and his puck handling ability, along with his shot, I mean, it's pro style. Like he has a pro release. Like when you watch him shoot the puck, like Dimitri's his patience and his poise with the puck is is unlike anything I've seen for a kid his age at the offensive side. And then when you look at the other side on defense with Luke Foss, like Foss is one of the most dynamic players I've ever seen for his age. Um, you know, I, you know, me and him talk a lot and I, I compare him a lot to Quinn Hughes. I think that the way he moves the puck, the vision that he has, and just the little things like uh, looking a player off before making a pass on a exit out of his own. He makes really good first passes most of the time. Um, he does need to get physically stronger and, and a little bit better at the D zone stuff, but as far as quarterbacking a power play for him to step in as a first year junior player and, and put up the numbers that he did and, and really lead us from the back end is it's very, very impressive. And, you know, I look at Luke as a kid that's only going to get better from here if he puts the work in and he's actually a roller hockey player, like by nature, he, you know, he grew up playing a ton of roller hockey in California and uh, he would spend his summers there and, and, and really kind of refine. And you can see it with the way he handles the puck and his puck handling ability in general. So, you know, the other, the other one that was the big horse for us was Zoe. I think, you know, Zoe struggled at the end of the year as far as putting pucks in the net. And it was it was the hardest part for us as a staff was to keep Zoe's confidence high because when his confidence is really high, uh, he's a next level player for sure. But, you know, he was hitting a lot of posts. I think there was one game where he hit four posts or something stupid. And then he had gone like, you know, 10 games without scoring a goal and he was hitting posts every single night. And he was just so hard on himself. And it's hard for a player like that to understand. And, you know, this is something I preach to him all the time is, you know, he's he's comes from an, you know, a part of hockey and an organization where he's leaned on to be the guy, right? So he's used to scoring goals and being the guy that puts the puck in the net. And, you know, the fact of the matter is at this level, there's so much more to a player than that. And he's so much more valuable to us than just being a goal scorer. Um, and the other things that he does, you know, he leads our team in faceoff win percentage. Uh, he's usually really good in the D zone. He's been a, a crucial part at times with our penalty kill. And, you know, he doesn't look at the whole big picture. He looks at himself and says, okay, I need to score a goal tonight. And if he doesn't, you know, he kind of feels like he let himself down and he let his team down. And in reality, um, you know, I would worry about him if he wasn't getting the chances, but the fact that he was still getting the chances down the stretch and they just weren't going in, I just kept thinking to myself, if these things ever do start going in, he's going to score 60 goals. So, you know, he, he was a really big part for us. And then some of the other kids, you know, we had Azadi and Dar's another kid that's really good, really skilled. I think those two kind of struggled as far as adapting to the junior game a little bit in the beginning. Um, you know, and I look for much bigger things out of them next year. I think they both kind of specialize in their own areas. I think Azadi did a couple different things for us as far as playing defense, offense. He's a bigger, heavier guy as far as the way he plays the game. And when he really plays physical, kind of like Zito does, I think he's going to be a force, especially with how strong his lower half is. And Dar's one of the, you know, in my opinion, Dar's one of the most skilled players on our team as far as just natural skill ability and puck handling skills. He struggles a little bit with kind of grasping the defensive zone stuff and playing the 200 foot game. And it's hard for a skilled player to jump into a junior lineup and be effective, right? Because he's he's only going to really be super effective and do the things he's good at playing with other skilled players. And the way that our lineup shook out this year, he just never really got an opportunity to, you know, contribute in that top six, which I think he would have, you know, probably blossomed the best in that role. 
but you know he had some some growing pains he's a great kid and you know we hope to have all those guys back if if they end up playing tier three again which we hope they don't but if they do we want to be able to provide a good home for them it's been an excellent year excellent roster and it's been it's been really fun to kind of see the the personality you generally don't get unless you happen to be there at the rink or you're with the staff being able to see that stuff behind the scenes uh, I, I think not only with the the X media thing, but also with just kind of the the phone footage caught right after games and the locker room stuff. It kind of made you feel a lot more connected with the team. Yeah, Stefan. So our social media guy, which I know you guys have a good relationship with, yeah. um, he just left this week. He took a job with the Docs, and I think he actually starts. I want to say he starts today. Um, I know he's back in California now. I talked to him last night, but you know he does a better job than anybody I've ever seen at this level. I would even argue he does a better job than anybody I'd seen at, you know, the tier two level or even some lower pro type stuff. I mean, he really puts his heart and soul into it and spends a lot of time with the guys, you know, working on videos and putting together highlight clips for us to send out to, you know, NCAA coaches and tier two coaches across the country. The the value that he adds to our program just by doing little stuff like that. And any, any filming that you see on the road for us, as far as, um, you know, the Boston showcase, which I know just released, um, you know, Stefan does a lot of that filming himself on the phone. So he's very, you know, photographically, you know, art inclined or somebody like me, I'm not like, if I sit down and draw a picture, it's going to be stick figures holding a hockey stick. Um, <laughs> and Stefan's just on a different level, man. He just really adds so much value, uh, to our staff and to our organization. It's going to be tough to, to, to lose him for next year, but you know, we're so happy for him and you know, proud of him to be moving on to the next level for, you know, what he does. Yeah, it's exciting that he's now part of the Anaheim Ducks organization, and that's excellent and, uh, you know, and well-earned, well-earned uh, promotion there. Yeah, it, it's so well-earned. And, you know, I actually, I had to kind of nudge him to actually, I saw the job and I like sent him a message and I'm like, hey, dude, this is like right in your wheelhouse. You know, it's in your backyard. Like, you should definitely apply for this. And I'm like, I would apply for it. He was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm really invested here. I think, you know, I don't want to do it in the middle of the season. I feel bad. He just feels bad about everything. Cause he's such a nice guy where I'm like, dude, this is your dream, man. Like you got to go for it, buddy. Like, yeah. You know, put your name out there. You know, what's the worst that can happen. Uh, and I'm glad he did. It ended up working out really well for him. And uh, I think, you know, I think the ducks are probably going to get somebody in their organization that they think is, I think the value of him going to their organization, they're not really going to see right away, but he's going to make an impact really fast. And, you know, I expect him to do some pretty big things there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with what Stefan's been able to do. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a difficult piece for the Mustangs to replace next year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be weird watching Mustangs games with him not being the, the voice of the Mustangs. Uh, So it'll be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big seat to fill for sure. Yeah, I think um, we might just Mike Kenny up at the bench and let him announce the game while he's coaching it. That was one of the things we kicked around. I think that'd be um, that'd be too much for anybody to handle listening to. Um, <laughs> it's like I honestly like when you look at the the broadcasting in our division. Um, you know, I think him and Brendan are really like on a different level. Yeah, Brendan does a I great agree. job in Northern Colorado. He's a great guy. You know, and he's just he's just really invested in this thing, right? You could even say the same thing about the Pueblo announcers. I think they do a very good job too. Like. They're just very invested in not only the junior game and their teams, but the players and every organization. Like you just see a lot of class. Like we're, they're not cutting down other teams. They're not saying negative stuff about other teams. Um, yeah. They really do their homework. It can, you can tell like when Stefan talks about a player from Northern Colorado or Pueblo, like we always give Stefan crap and say that he sits up in the booth with his St. Ange jersey on. 
because uh, <laughs> you know when we play Pueblo, like he's uh, he's all over them, and he's always like he has these random stats about Saint Ange, and it's like how you know how did you not tell us this so we could put it in our pre scout? Like <laughs> like he just has all these off the wall, and if you tell Stefan something or a stat, he remembers it forever. Like you could walk into our office and say, hey, who's you know who's leading our team on on faceoff percentage on the PK, and he would immediately pop up and know who it is. So he's just really <laughs> invested into the thing, and when you look at a guy like Brendan in Northern Colorado or the guys in Pueblo, like, you know, they're, they're very invested in this thing and, you know, they want to see the programs do well and, you know, they care about the kids too, which means a lot. Yeah, it does. And we're hoping that he, uh, he'll slide in here as a, uh, as a co-host at some point, uh, when he, when he gets his life settled, um, in California and, and gets his kind of job down a bit more there with the ducks is like he's mentioned, it's his first week on the job. So Stefan, I know you're listening to this big congratulations from all of us. Yeah. yeah, hopefully he's not uh, too big time for us now, though. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not Stefan. <laughs> I know, I know. No, but honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, he did such a great job that I think it just kind of forces whoever is next to come in and, you know, basically put in that effort because it's kind of, he set the standard of what, you know, Ogden is looking for. And I think that, you know, you don't settle for anything less than the standard. So I think, uh, I think whoever's stepping in has got some big shoes to fill and I'm kind of excited to see how they, they kind of take it and run with it. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely big shoes to fill, huge shoes. And uh, so we've lost uh, C. Bassett. He's had to return to work as he had a very strict uh, meeting time he had to meet. But Nick, me and you are going to keep moving along here just for another few minutes and talk about some of the really awesome parts of the season uh, that the Mustangs had. Any Before I list a couple of my favorite moments of the season, is there anything that's really stood out to you on the ice? You know, there's so many, like – when things happen throughout the course of the season, you look at it and you're like, man, this is something I'm going to remember forever. And then when you get to the end of it, you realize there's so many of those things where it's like, you know, there's definitely big stuff that stands out like uh, the Boston showcase, for example, and you know, the way we played and the way we came back in the Charlotte rush game. Like there's, there's definitely things like that, but for me, it's more the little stuff like on the day to day basis. Um, You know, you see in the guys every day and developing those relationships with them. And when the season ends, those things kind of go to the wayside for a little while, but, little things like on a day-to-day basis, like showing up at the rink and talking to the guys and getting on the ice and joking around with them before practice and having those conversations with them. Like those are the things I'm probably going to miss the most as far as the season goes. Cause I really liked our group. Um, we had a lot of really, really good vets that, that did a good job, you know, acclimating the younger guys to the game, the younger guys that came into the lineup, it's always easy for them to fit in right away. If, if they're able to produce right. And some of our guys that we brought in were able to do that. So you know, they became normal right away and the guys, you know, embraced them and loved them. And, you know, we just, we had a really good time with each other and, you know, I think we all wanted better, but, you know, for me, the Boston showcase was probably the the standout moment or the, you know, we didn't win the game, but the last second goal we had against Pueblo, but that, that to me, like just seeing the guys come together and, and bounce back in that situation and that environment, um, they, you know, that was something that definitely sticks out in my mind and I'll remember, you know, forever. So. Yeah. Th- those, those were some of the best moments of the season for sure. Like that Boston showcase, Coming back there, winning every game against the teams that you had to face was absolutely incredible. I mean, it made the Mustangs immediately, in my opinion, national championship contenders, right? I'm like, they just beat the best teams in the nation, including the the last season's uh, national championship winner, uh, yep. Charlotte Rush. And then, yeah, and and then that last second goal with, like you said, with the Voyatsis, Voyatsis and uh, Herrera, uh, I think it was that Voyatsis man, he had some dirty moves to get that thing. And then just that perfectly placed, perfectly timed pass to Herrera, just to blast that in. I, I, I jumped off my couch. I mean, that, that goal was wild. 
And I guess that's why with the podcast and me kind of tracking kind of how the Mustangs not only played all year, some of the, just the best moments of the year. And again, listeners, you can catch these moments actually on video by going to the PHH official Twitter account where I am listing off the top 15 plays, in my opinion, for the Ogden Mustangs this season as Hockey TV was very gracious to give me written permission to do so. And it was an incredible season. And for me, like Sava Serduk saves, uh, man, he had some absolute wild saves and some game stealers. That Voyatsis goal you just talked about was awesome. Schmakov had an amazing goal in the preseason. Um, yep. That was just, I think it was against Las Vegas, yep. uh, I think. And that was incredible. Honestly, Igor Kamikov's goal in that Northern Colorado playoff game where the, he got the clean break, yep. that was a thing of beauty. Yeah, and then you can't argue with some of Deronio's saves. Striplin had an amazing save when he was still Mustang. He had a bunch of amazing saves. One really stood out for me. And yeah, you got guys like Bryce Miller gr- jumping up and grabbing that puck and then just charging down to score the goal. That was just, you know, power and will right there. Yeah, we, you know, and like even like the, the other one too for me, like when I look at the goals we scored this year, Cameron Hawks against Charlotte. I think it was, I can't remember if it was a four to one or four to two goal, but. Uh, I'm sorry, three to one or three to two goal, but he got a puck at the blue line and uh, kind of leaned on a shot and ended up pulling it back and toe dragging around a defender that came out to contest him. Um, that that to me was one of the nicest, most important goals that we scored all year. Yeah. Just, you know, because obviously I work with a defenseman a lot and, you know, anytime we can score a goal back there, which in the beginning of the season, it seemed like they were coming in buckets where at the end of the season, we weren't really getting as many of them from the back end. But uh, yeah, I mean, there were so many, so many goals. Like, so, and that I think we led, I know we let our division and goals scored. I don't know where we were nationally. I know we were probably, if I had to guess, in the top five or ten. But, you know, we scored so many goals. And it seemed like every night, like even the Iggy Kamikov, you know, even the goal he scored, like you were describing on the breakaway, was such a nice play. But the goal he scored right before that, um, you know, where he got the puck on the short side and at the bottom of the circle. I mean, if you go back and watch that shot, I mean, that's a one in a million shot. The window that he had to put that puck through was like the size of the puck. And, um, you know, he showcased so much skill down the stretch for us that, he, it, I felt bad because he never, he didn't, he wasn't here long enough. And just when he was starting to come into his own and playing his best hockey, the season ended. So, you know, had yeah. he been here throughout the course of the season at the end of the year, like he would have been a, a very, very dynamic player for us, which he started to become at the end. But, you know, we had everybody contribute. Like when you look at our lineup and, you know, guys that scored goals like Bryce Miller, who you're talking about, um, Bryce is so, so skilled. Um, he's very, you can put him in our lineup anywhere. Top six, bottom six, you know, playing on the first power play unit. He kills penalties on the top unit. Uh, Bryce does so many different things for our organization as far as roles that we put him in and he always contributes, right? If he's not scoring a goal, he's blocking a huge shot on the penalty kill. You know, he's a very good high IQ player as far as being able to distribute the puck and kind of absorb time and space and find somebody open when he does that. So, you know, having a lot of guys in our team with that ability makes us a very dynamic team. And I thought we were the product of playing in a really good division against a lot of really good teams. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate that only one team out of our division gets to go to nationals because I do think that there's two, three teams that are at least capable of, if not deserving of, of having a spot at nationals. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it kind of is what it is, but you know, kudos to the other teams in our division. I know everybody battled hard all season. So. Yeah, it did. And I, I'd like, I think it was Brendan price, uh, the Northern Colorado Eagles broadcaster that, I think he had a good pitch in the USPHL. I know you periodically listen to these. So if you hear this one, I would say take some advice here. I like the fact that especially because the Pacific Division is also 
grown pretty substantially this past year, and I believe the Mountain Division will be growing again next year. Only allowing one of the teams from each of these divisions to go is uh, – I think there could be a different way it would be done where at least trying to squeeze one more team out of the two divisions right now. Like you would have – right now Utah is going, and I believe Fresno is going. But if you had two teams that lost to those teams, you know – pair up and do a wild card game kind of a you know the new england wolves out of the ehl are doing that right now where they lost their series to new hampshire but now they have a wild card game uh that could still send them to the ehl's frozen four i think something along those lines where another team out of the pacific and mountain division could compete for a spot in nationals i think would be a really good fit because it's such the mountain division specifically from, you know, that's the division I watched the most is such a strong division. As you were saying that it almost sometimes feels criminal that only one team gets to advance. Definitely. And like, I, I actually, I'll be honest with you. Like I watched a lot of the Pacific division down the stretch. Like, um, you know, we sent Antonio Tarantino to, to Ontario. Ontario so, yeah. You know, we were watching those games all the time and, you know, Ontario won, I can't, I don't remember the exact number, but I know at one point it was like three or five games against Fresno um, and they were playing yeah. really good hockey. And then, you know, Vegas beat us in the regular season um, in overtime. So like on paper, I think when you look at those teams, you're kind of like scratching your head because you don't really know a lot of the guys, you don't get a ton of exposure to them. But when you see those teams play, they're very good. Um, yes. Even a team like San Diego, who was very streaky where they would win games and then they lose games and Ontario played their best hockey down the stretch at the very end. And I think, you know, Kind of unfortunately for Antonio, when he got there, um, they had another kid, Palmer, who was actually playing really well. And, uh, you know, he played a handful of the games down the stretch. And I think Tino probably got two or three games total, but he played well in all of them. Yep. Um, but that division was really good. I mean, Fresno's a force, man. They got a lot of really, really heavy hitters on that team as far as putting up points. Um, they got some really big names. Tyler McNeil, uh, Gabrielanko. I mean, they got a lot of guys that are really, really good players and really strong players. And, I, you know, you could see the way they play that Vegas series that, um, you know, after they got out of that that first series that they were in against Ontario, and then they got into the Vegas series, they kind of put everything together. I think they're gonna they're gonna be a tough team to to yeah. you know put out a national. So, yeah, it, it, nationals are gonna be really exciting, uh, really exciting to watch. And now, yeah, I watched Tarantino's games when he went to Ontario uh, because I, I especially I love watching the goalies, especially our goalies. Like I watched some of Stripling's uh, work because he went to Decatur and. So I kind of track the goalies that leave the team and still kind of watch their games when I can see like, oh, they've played. So I'm going to see who which goalie was in that. If I, if I see Tarantino was in that, I'm like, OK, perfect. I'll check out his game um, and I'll sit there and watch a game like I do a lot of other hockey games. And, uh, you know, he had a wild save in that final game uh, that he played, too, that uh, just missed out on our uh, with our scoring system. Uh, that we have on pigeonhole it was literally the play that just got left off kind of like striplins was originally for that original highlight episode but amazing amazing teams in the both pacific and the mountain and it just it just feels like they're another team should be coming out of these divisions and they're the fact that only utah and fresno get to represent these really strong divisions in the usphl uh, I feel could definitely be looked at by the USPHL to get another team in there from the West. And I think get some more exposure because Brendan, again, another thing Brendan mentioned was the fact that you see the specifically in the mountain division, you've seen it in Pueblo, you see it in Ogden, uh, you see it in Utah, Provo in Northern Colorado, still developing a, a stronger fan base. And, and, and COVID did not help uh, NOCO on that either. But you see the fans that the Mountain Division gets to play in front of. And if I'm a player, 
I see that and I see these other games you can watch on hockey TV and I'm like, no, I want to play where the fans are. Even if I know it's still exciting for the boys going to a place like Pueblo and having a packed house and you want the crowd there. You want to show off your skills. You want people to see how you're playing. Even if it's the away crowd taunting you, that's so much better than being in an empty arena. It's kind of like, as far as ours go, like it's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like, it's the greatest thing in the world for us. Like when we had our exit interviews last week, like, the top thing that, that almost every single player said about our organization that I love the most is the fan base and game day. Like, uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the assistant coach and his witty banter, um, which I was kind of surprised about, <laughs> but it, you know, like the, but the, the flip side of that though, is like when you see these teams come into our building, like it's a shot in the arm to them. Cause like nothing, if you're a player that plays for a team like Provo, if you play for a team like Northern Colorado, where you, you, ha- you have a very good team, but you're not getting, you know, 500 to a thousand fans there every night kind of cheering yeah. you on. When you play in an environment like that, it kind of gives you a shot in the arm, I feel like. And I feel like teams genuinely played their best games, you know, in our building. Like, they played well in our building. And I think um, it's kind of a testament to to the show that we put on. But I also think it's a testament to our fans and, and the environment that they create. You know, I do think that as the weekend wears on, they definitely had an effect on some of the teams that we played and some of the players. Yeah. But that first initial Friday night game, you know, for if you're a visiting player and, you know, you're not wowed by it where some younger guys might be, if you're a veteran junior player and you get to step in front of a crowd like that and play, it kind of gives them a shot in the arm, I feel like. So it was it was a tough it was a tough out for us on on every single Friday, Saturday night. Like we had to be ready to play. Like we didn't have very many off nights at all this year where it was a, a knee slapper or a laugher like you'd see in some of the other divisions. Um, it, it, every single night was a grind. And if you didn't play well, um, typically you lost. That was just the nature of the beast. So. The classic example of a good double-edged sword right there because, yeah, the Ogden boys are used to it. They're used to being able to play in front of a, a great crowd and everything. And if it's something you're not used to and you come in there, it just gives you that extra jolt. That could be a tough part of uh, for the Mustangs, having people come in and actually get to play in front of a crowd. And uh, it's great. I mean, I, I love the I love the Weber ice sheet. Um, and I've gotten used to saying Weber. Yeah, <laughs> I love the yeah. Weber ice sheet, and it's it's a great facility. Uh, the Mustangs have just a, a great team. I'm excited to see what you guys do next year. And before we wrap up this episode, we'll just quickly talk nationals. So the teams that have made it to nationals this round for 2022, you've got the Florida Junior Blades. You've got the Metro Jets, the Islanders Hockey Club, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Knights, Chicago Cougars, Florida Eels, Hudson Havoc, Rockets Hockey Club, the Charlotte Rush and Northern Cyclones, the MJDP, the Utah Outliers, the Richmond Generals, Toledo Cherokee, Fresno Monsters, and Minnesota Blue Ox. The great thing about watching all this playoff action, because I I consume the hell out of some USPHL playoff hockey. I watched every game in the Nationals last year. This year, I instead of watching every game, because there's only so much time in the day, and I actually do have work, um, I watched basically the third period of every single playoff game in the USPHL this year and got to see a lot of these teams that I normally don't get to watch and just see the incredible talent uh, that's going to be on display in the nationals uh, that for you listeners starts today. So if you don't have hockey TV, go out and get it because you don't want to miss this hockey action. And it goes all the way through, uh, I believe the 29th of March uh, where they'll play the, the national championship game. What are you seeing out of the, the teams that made it to nationals this year? So who, you know, you got any maybe favorites that people might or might not be overlooking. Everyone knows the Charlotte rush. If, if you're, if you're a fan of the USPHL, you know the Charlotte Rush, and so they're always a strong contender, and they made it back again, but they didn't get here easily. They had a fight on their hands. 
they're like, and we say this all the time, like within our organization, when we talk to our kids, like that, that division over there is very, very tough. Like, yes. Um, and it was tough for us, like in the Washco deal, because even though we wanted Washco to have a fresh start, we wanted to put him in a good place to win. Like that was, that's, I'm pretty sure whoever finished second in that division falls into the same grouping um, with the mountain division winner in playoffs. So we knew that if we were fortunate enough to get through, you know, our division and make it to nationals, there was a realistic chance that, you know, we could run into to Lucas, you know, in at nationals in our bracket. So, right. um, you know, it's tough. And definitely those teams over in that division are very good. Like Charlotte, I think the most like the thing that I was most taken back by watching them is I feel like when you watch a lot of these teams play, you know, you, you kind of see the systems and, and structure in place, but it, it's kind of something you don't appreciate until you get a large sample size of it. Um, yeah. and like, you know, we play all these teams in our division all the time. So we kind of have a pretty good idea of what each team's trying to do. Um, you know, there are little tweaks and adjustments here and there, but you know, they were very, very detailed in the way they played the game. Um, you know, I do think that we ended up coming out on top and, we were fortunate, but at the same time, I think our guys battled really hard. So I, I think that division, like I look at a team like them and, and feel like they could definitely do it again. But some of those teams up in the Northeast, like Wilkes-Barre and, um, you know, the Northern Cyclones, like there's some really, really good teams up there that yes. we didn't have a chance to play. Like Wilkes-Barre, for example, is, you know, they have a goalie in Weiss that, you know, came and spent some time with us. And, you know, we ended up not being able to come, you know, to terms as far as him joining us for the rest of the year. So he ended up leaving and going there. And he, he's a tr- he's a tremendous goalie. So. You know, I know the depth that they have, and, you know, I think some of those divisions up there may not be as deep as our division as far as if you look at the one through five in our division, like the strength of schedule and, you know, how each team plays and what their record is. Like, you know, there's a lot more parity, I feel like. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, they're a very dominant force and a really good team. And then, you know, you jump to the Midwest and teams like the Metro Jets, who seem to be able to play really good hockey all year. You know, they're very, very consistent, and I think that they put up big numbers. You know, as far as winning a national championship, it's tough to say. I think that their team is definitely talented enough to do it, but, you know, I think national championships kind of up in the air. You know, the Blue Ox, they didn't play their best game against us, so our sample size is very small, and it kind of left a lot to be determined. But they do have some very good pieces on their team. They just, unfortunately, when they played us, they didn't have their best game at all. So, you know, we'll see how that all unfolds. The teams like Chicago, like, never really got a chance to see them a ton. I know... You know, they were at some of the same showcases as like Pueblo and Northern Colorado, but just didn't have a ton of exposure to them. But you look at the roster and you can see they've got skilled, talented players. For me, you know, like when I look at the outliers, I think that they are probably top to bottom built best to win a national championship out of the teams going there. Do I think a team like Fresno has more firepower? Yes, I do. I think Fresno could probably score more goals, but top to bottom, um, as far as their, their one through four, the forward lines and their you know, yeah. entire D grouping of six. I just think that the outliers, you know, are very, very deep and I expect them to do some damage at nationals. So I know last year was hard with, with COVID and they actually got trapped, I think, in Northern Colorado after our round robin. And I don't even know if they showed up at nationals until the day they played. But uh, I think this year with everything being the way it is and kind of back to normal, I, I, I looked at them to do some big things. Yeah, they had an excellent roster this year and excellent goaltending. Like you said, the defense was fantastic. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to uh, our our episode where we talked about the Mountain Division Players of the Year, we we dished out some Mountain Division Players of the Year. The Mountain Division, I think, our top. How do I do? I think I did a top ten goals, top ten saves, or something along those lines. So out of the entire Mountain Division, the way that they're built, you had guys like Will Cohen. They're just they're so they're so deep, and I I expect them to do damage at the Nationals. And uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them in that final match. Um, and it would represent the Mountain Division well 
for them to do extremely well. And I know, again, they had a tough they had a tough showing last year. And yeah, because if I'm correct, I Kyle Cosma played with them last year. Right now he's with the North Iowa Bulls and his pads, if I'm correct, didn't show up until 30 minutes before the game. And that's that that's that's a head game right there when you're just you don't know if you're you're already warming up and you're practicing and you're getting your mindset and your pads aren't there. There's nothing you can do about it. That I think that they had, they were affected by that travel last year and COVID didn't help. And good luck to the Utah Outliers organization uh, at nationals this year. But yeah, it's a, it's a strong crew. You look at all these teams like the Richmond generals and Fresno. Oh, and, and obviously even the Islanders hockey club really played some good games towards the end of the season there. And they fought, there's a lot of these teams. They've really had a fight hard to to get into this, and uh, they fought some really strong teams. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to watch. This, this isn't where I watch the third period of every game, like like in the first rounds, uh, first couple rounds of the playoffs. Nationals, I watch full through every game. Such a talented league, and I'm expecting a lot of really really exciting hockey. Yeah, and you know, like the, the toughest thing for me is like you know when you when you watch the mountain division championship this weekend, like, you know, you could tell Northern Colorado, like they just, they were gassed, man. Like the, yeah. the series that we had against them the weekend before, like our player, like we're still not okay. Like I'm still not okay. Like I'm still, I'm not back to full health after that. And I didn't even play. Um, <laughs> and it's like the grind. And like, we, like, I think we both teams going into that weekend last weekend knew that, that they were going to be three hard fought, really tough, like tight games. But I don't think anybody anticipated them, playing out the way they did, especially with the triple overtime and yeah, um, overtime on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, uh, it's so frustrating for us because, you know, we felt like if we could have got any luck or bounces in, in the first or third game that, you know, we would have been in a really good spot, but um, you know, kudos to Northern Colorado. I mean, Steve does a great job with that staff. Like if you look at, if you look at where they were at the beginning of the season to where they finished and they didn't really add, anything significant right like they they had their core guys at the beginning of the year and, and steve stuck by them and coached them and, and developed them and you know they're definitely not the flashiest team on paper and you watch them play the game they don't they don't do a lot of things that kind of wow you but they they play a very heavy hard physical game and they're very detailed and um you know they're very very well coached and they play their systems and they 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 are a, a definite like when you talk about will over skill like they are that to a T like that is exactly what they are. They don't come into your building. They don't come into any game, try to outskill you. They just want to outwork you. That's it. And they feel like if they do outwork you, they give themselves a really good chance to win. And uh, you know, kudos to them for a great run down the stretch. Yeah, they, they were a hard fought team and I knew they were going to be a tough competitor when, when the uh, kind of the season shook down and we were going to be facing them and they were coming to our building for the playoffs. Yeah. You looked at it and you're like, this is, this is going to be a tough, tough battle. And we talked about that on the previous episode, me and Brendan um, on the, I think it was the bonus episode following the plays of the year where we were talking about the mountain division players of the year. And they came into 2022 on fire. They were kind of like what Provo did last year where the second half of the season, they just were almost an unstoppable beast. That was Northern Colorado. The second half of the season, uh, yeah. you know, after, after the Christmas break, that wasn't the team you wanted to play. It definitely wasn't. And like, we, we talked about that. Cause like, during, you know, you, you have those conversations where it's like, would you rather play this team or that team? And, you know, at the end of the day, and I know it's cliche, like there's just no easy outs in our division. Like, you know, do you want to play Pueblo and have, you know, a guy like Isaac hood running around the ice, just destroying everything in his path. Um, you know, and some of the skill that they have up front with St. Anj and Dicker and, 
you know, like, or do you want to play Northern Colorado who, who has the fry Fogles and, you know, everybody from, from their depth down on their fourth line that, that contributes to, you know, guys that are kind of in the middle and, you know, they got the Lang Luis and, and Pantnod and, you know, the big one for me though, was, you know, I thought Fortin played really well when he was healthy yeah. and kind of got into some injury trouble against us, you know, their depth and their skill up front was just a testament to how tough our division is. It really was. And then whoever got out of that, you knew was going to play, you know, at ACOR against the outliers and, you know, the outliers to me, like, I think last year their team was more talented as far as top end talent, but just the cohesion and the chemistry of their team this year um, and the way they all kind of fought for each other. Like, you know, Will Cohen's a really, really good player. Um, He kind of ate us alive and, you know, between him and Nico Schwab, it seemed like those two guys scored against us almost every single night. And, uh, you know, Will did that pretty much against every team he played this year. But, you know, Nico kind of seemed like he picked on us a little bit. But, you know, they, <laughs> they had different goaltenders every time we played them. I think yeah. they kind of were hurting a little bit when when Felicetti went down. But I also think that some of the guys they brought in really started playing well down the stretch. Um, yeah. You know, Alderman started playing better. You know, I just think that the dynamic of their team got better. As the season went on, um, I feel like they kind of hit a little lull around Christmas time where they weren't playing their best hockey. But, um, you know, kudos to them as well, because, you know, down the stretch when we started hitting playoff time, they kind of found their stride again and were playing really good. So, yeah, the, the division this year was, again, amazing, just like it was last year. It's such good hockey. Very excited to see the division possibly grow this upcoming season. Excited to see the Pacific. I think Southern Oregon is coming back next year. So they'll be rejoining if I'm, again, if I'm not incorrect, I think Southern Oregon's coming back into the Pacific next year. So it's just going to be exciting to see the um, the expansion of both these divisions and just excited to see what the Mountain Division uh, does next year, what the Ogden Mustangs do, and who you bring back. I'll be following the Twitter posts. I don't know who's tweeting now for for Ogden, but uh, I'm I'm hoping that whoever replaces Stefan is able to get that information out to us quickly because I will be staring down the Twitter posts like it's nobody's business. Um, to see who's coming back and, and any new signings we have for the year. So definitely excited to see what the Mustangs pull for next year. Yeah, we're, I mean, like, I think I think out of our returning players, players are guys that are, el- are eligible to return. We kind of have the same mentality as far as, you know, we want them to, to move up to the next level and play tier two. But we also know that if they don't, they have a, a really good home with us. So, yep. you know, our main priority looking at next season as far as our roster goes is, you know, getting those guys – comfortable as far as okay you know we're going to go to main camps in the north american league and if things don't work out we're going to come back to ogden and you know really work hard because i do think some of the guys you know it's tough right at that age so you know you look at a guy like Cade herrera or a guy like jake who spent some time with tier two teams this year you know when you get those guys back from that tier two experience it's tough like they're not like emotionally and mentally it's hard for them to process that it takes time so they don't just come back and jump into your lineup and start producing right away now Cade did because Cade's not human but <laughs> any normal human being that, that goes through that like they're not okay when they come back to you so the biggest hurdle for them for us is them to have that that comfort and that safety blanket of knowing that you know I'm going to push myself as hard as I can to play at the next level and, and play tier two and if it doesn't work out I have a great plan in place and uh you know we just want to be that plan for our guys and th- that's our main priority right now is to get them squared away as far as what they're doing this offseason, you know, narrowing down kind of where they're interested in maybe going to some main camps for North American League teams and getting them into them. You know, that's kind of our main priority. But, you know, I, I think a lot of the guys, you'll see some of those names back with our team next year. We did lose 11 age outs as far as 20 year olds go. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity with the Ogden Mustangs. Whereas if you look at this year coming in, like we probably really only had 
maybe a handful of spots that were kind of up for grabs as far as guys not coming back. Yeah. But, you know, next year is going to be a completely different animal. Um, you know, and I, I actually look forward to it because, you know, with me having a, you know, a son born last year in the beginning of spring, I didn't really get as much time to invest into the recruiting side, aside from the goalies that, uh, you know, I would have liked to. And I think Kenny would say the same thing because he did pretty much majority of it last year. But, you know, this year with me and him double teaming it and really kind of focusing on and having a schedule and a plan in place on where we're going and what we're looking for. And, you know, not only trying to find the best players, but also just trying to find the right players, um, you know, players right. that are Ogden Mustangs. So, you know, that's that's kind of the challenge we have at hand and we're really looking forward to it. No, I'm really excited to see how it all unfolds. And I made sure I screenshotted all five rosters. I didn't do that last year. I screenshot all five rosters so I can kind of track where players end up signing and where players end up going because you get really invested and me is basically just the hockey fan side of this, especially the mountain division players and and the plays and just the exciting action we have in the division. I like seeing where guys end up going and, and their game growth and their development and just the, their promotion opportunities, even the ones that cannot return next year and have to find another home because they've aged out. It's exciting to see where they'll end up signing. You know, see guys like uh, we had Tony last year, right? We had Tony Sikora yep. and he ends up with uh, Concordia. You know, he had I think he's had a shutout this season with Concordia. Just seeing and tracking to see where the guys go and, and how they sign. Like, I, I obviously I'm always kind of stalking the goalies and seeing, you know, where they end up going and. And see where all these players go, and it's it's such a great division, so such good hockey, and very excited to see what what your Ogden Mustangs do next season. But we're gonna wrap this episode up for you listeners out there. We've already again we've lost Sebastian. Me and Nick will be signing you off this time. We want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, PHH Official, to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Nick. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Anytime I can help you guys out, let me know. Absolutely. And again, thanks for jumping on with us today. And you know what? For your listeners, remember, always clear your crease.